Hello everyone, Matt here and welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be covering episode 215, entitled Maternity Leave. This is the 39th overall episode, and there are 82 to go. And with that, let's jump right into the Wikipedia summary for the episode. And I'll remind you, by the way, that this episode is presented in a linear fashion, with flashbacks presented as Claire remembers them. So anyhow, on the island, Aaron has become ill with a rash and fever, and Claire sets off in the night to find Jack. Danielle Rousseau appears and tells Claire that Aaron is infected. Claire has a flashback where she remembers being injected with a needle while pregnant. Kate sends Rousseau away, though Claire is now convinced that something is seriously wrong with Aaron. Jack assures Claire that Aaron is fine and the fever will soon break, but Claire is unsure. She speaks to Libby, who helps her recall memories from the two weeks when Claire was abducted by an other named Ethan Rahm. Claire remembers what resembles a doctor's office and Ethan giving her injections. She was confused, apparently drugged, during this entire ordeal and believed that she was still in Australia and about to leave for the United States. She also remembers Ethan talking to Mr. Friendly, only without his beard and wild hair. Mr. Friendly tells Ethan that he is unhappy that Claire was brought to the facility as the list had not been prepared. He also mentions that a higher authority will not be pleased. Claire enlists Kate to help her find Rousseau and to find the vaccine she remembered from her memories, believing that it is the cure for Aaron's ailment. Claire and Kate soon find Rousseau, who is puzzled by an increasingly irrational Claire. However, Rousseau takes them back to the place where she said she'd found Claire the night Claire returned to camp after her abduction. When she takes them there, Claire wants Rousseau to take her to the room with the vaccine and grows accusatory when Rousseau tells her she doesn't know where the room is. Claire suddenly notices a stump in the jungle that triggers another memory. She remembers Ethan Rom talking to her about leaving the baby with his group and returning to camp. Ethan tells Claire that she does have a choice in the matter. Ethan gives Claire some water from a canteen, and she complains of the sour taste. Ethan tells Claire that her baby is one of the good ones. Investigating further, the three women find a concealed bunker with the Dharma logo on it. The symbol on this bunker is a caduceus. Inside, the bunker appears to be abandoned. Claire finds rooms familiar to her memories, while Kate investigates another part of the bunker. She discovers a set of lockers. Opening one, she discovers tattered clothes, a box containing makeup, theatrical glue, and a beard, all part of the disguise worn by Mr. Friendly in her previous encounter with him. Claire locates the refrigerator, where she remembered the vaccine being stored. It is now empty. She has a flashback of a young, teenage girl who rescues her from the bunker, telling Claire that the other members of the group plan to take the baby and kill Claire. Rousseau then leaves, telling Claire that she is not the only one who didn't find what they were looking for. 
Claire finds a booty she crocheted during the last time she was there and puts it in her pack. Back in the jungle, Claire has one final flashback where she remembers that Rousseau aided in her escape and was not part of the group that kidnapped her. She asks Rousseau about the baby that the others took from her 16 years ago. Claire asks if the child was a girl, and Rousseau replies, yes, a girl, Alex, Alexandra. Claire then tells Rousseau that a teenage girl with blue eyes helped her escape. Claire says she wasn't like the others, she was good. Claire and Kate return to camp, where Jack tells her Aaron's fever has subsided. Claire then takes out the booty that she found in the bunker and gives it to Aaron. Meanwhile, in the hatch, Jack and Locke are trying to decide what to do about their new prisoner, Henry Gale, a.k.a. Ben. Locke gives Henry a copy of the Dostoevsky novel, The Brothers Karamazov. Henry remarks, Dostoevsky, don't you have any Stephen King? A minute later, Locke tells Jack that Ernest Hemingway wanted to be the greatest writer in the world, but felt that he could never escape being in the shadow of Dostoevsky. Mr. Echo visits the bunker during this time and figures out what is going on. He asks Jack to let him visit with the prisoner, alone, and Jack agrees after Echo subtly threatens that he will tell the rest of the camp about the prisoner. Echo tells Henry about the two men he killed when they tried to abduct him from his camp. Henry asks why Echo is telling him, and Echo replies that he had to tell someone. Echo threateningly takes out his knife, cuts two knots out of his beard, and leaves. Locke brings dinner to Henry, who strikes up a conversation about Hemingway and Dostoevsky. Henry had heard the earlier talk about the authors through the thin walls. Henry asks Locke which of the authors he relates to more, but Locke does not have an answer. He then asks Locke why he lets Jack call all the shots, but Locke insists that he and Jack make decisions together. Locke locks up Henry and returns to the bunker's kitchen, where he loses his temper and violently sweeps the dishes off the counter, which of course is heard by Henry Gale. And with that, let's now get into my thoughts about the episode. The previously unlost reminded us about Claire's abduction from season one. And I think it's a reminder, too, that this was another mystery that they added. You know, at the time it was, oh, you know, another mystery to the pile. How annoying. But it's a mystery that will be addressed tonight. Uh, It's also a deceptively simple start to the episode. Aaron is sick and Claire wants Jack. Uh, All in the teaser act, we get reminded of Ben in the gun locker. Uh, We see the return of Rousseau, whose words give Claire that first flash of memory. Uh, And indeed, kind of the transition to her memories. It's something that, especially on on first viewing, the very first time it happens, it's shocking, it's jarring, and it's a little trippy. Um, It's also communicating to us as well. It's a different kind of flashback. And I think it's to the show's credit that they're addressing the flashback in this manner. Uh, most of the flashbacks in the show, certainly uh, after the first couple episodes, they're not flashbacks, of course, taking place in the character's memory. They're not saying, hmm, this reminds me of a time. And there's not, you know, kind of smoke and, uh, you know, to take us into the past. It's something that's happening concurrent uh, to the island story and, and it's happening for the sake of the audience. Here, though, it really is a matter of Claire remembering it. Uh, And as I said at the beginning of the Wikipedia summary, it's a neat device that they, you know, this is a linear episode. This is a, an episode where the story is presented from beginning to end in that fashion. All of the flashbacks are flashbacks, which actually occur to Claire in the order that we see them. And, um, 
as she realizes things, we realize things. I will say it's, I mean, it's, it, it certainly is a wonderful episode. It's a memorable episode. It's one of the ones that people certainly respond to for a bunch of reasons. I mean, you get a new hatch, you get the return of Ethan, you get an answer to a question that you've had since last season, you get more of Ben. I mean, there's lots of wonderful things going on. The one area where I might critique slightly is it's a mildly sloppy uh, construction of the episode. Notice that all of Claire's flashbacks happen in chronological order in order to not have us be too confused. Um, we'll talk more about that as we as, as we get towards the end of the episode. And I'm certainly not trying to criticize it. It's a it's a nice solid episode. Um, but anyhow, let's uh, let's get ourselves out of the teaser act here. This idea of lost memories also lets the show get into uh, a bit of a background, or supposed background, of another character. Hey guys. So you're a shrink, right? I'm a clinical psychologist, but shrink works too. Can you help people remember things? I guess it depends on what you need to remember. It really is fun how Libby is just barely tentative how she's reasserting herself as a clinical psychologist with all the dignity that that comes with it uh of course it all being a lie and, and she having reinvented herself here on the island um it's it, it it's just fun uh i feel like they never um quite knew what to do with libby 100 percent. you think i mean she was only on one season uh she was in as many episodes as anna lucia um it's, it's uh, you know, c- certainly we have fond memories of her. She acted as a foil for Hurley, as as we'll see in the uh, the upcoming Hurley episode, Dave. Uh, it's kind of like, it's just a character. There wasn't anything wrong with it. It wasn't a Nikki and Paolo situation where it was broken. But she just was not, uh, I don't know, she wasn't a fantastic addition the way, say, the Freighter people were. She's not a Faraday. She's not a Charlotte. Um, she's just kind of in the background. I think it was, you know, the show added these characters in order to keep things uh, new and different and dynamic, um, particularly in light of the fact that the show, uh, you know, in planning for season two, Boone was already dead. The plan to kill Shannon was in motion. So they're, they're trying to, uh, you know, manage the show with a certain number of characters and a certain way of spreading all the love around. Uh, so add some new and interesting people who have ways to interact with people. You know, Anna Lucia kind of is uh, the female Jack in many ways, so he has an opportunity to be interacting with her. Plus, as we've discussed before, you know, ABC had requested that shows find logical ways to introduce uh, uh, pertinent Hispanic characters. Uh, Echo, excellent addition, beloved addition. Libby there to be another mystery, there to help facilitate other characters, as we're seeing in this episode, and there to uh, to act as a foil to Hurley, as I said. It just never quite met, you know, the rubber didn't quite meet the road 100%, but oh well, can't, can't win them all. Uh, anyhow, back to this episode and back to the hatch. There's Ben tension between Jack and Locke. Uh, they're, of course, discussing what the plan is with Ben. Nine minutes into this episode... I kind of had the feeling as though this episode was the relaxed glow after a really good 
food. Lots of catching up. There's feeding Ben, that he gets a book dissension as to how kind or unkind they should be. Um, the punctuation of humor with Ben calling through the door that the Ben plan could be to let him go. Um, I think the episode picks up speed. And certainly, having come off the the great high of last week's episode, there, there tends to be, I think Lost in particular tends to have a bit of a letdown um, after great episodes. And now add to that the fact that it just simply was a, a great episode last week. So if they're going to do a merely excellent episode this week, it is going to feel to be a bit of a letdown. But um, I think, too, the episode picks up steam as we get the, the Claire story underway. But um, anyhow, speaking of the Claire story, at that point, uh, the story heads back to not Dr. Libby. Um, kind of interesting that her mental mumbo jumbo actually works. Uh, and we from that, we get a Claire flashback. Um, I wonder if it's some sort of meta comment on mental health. Uh, I mean, it probably isn't. It's just, you know, what does loss do? It, it, it does the opposites. So, you know, the doctor is very reliable, except in his home life where he's unreliable. Uh, you know, the, 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 the pretty brunette is so fantastic, except for the fact that she's on the run for having killed someone, et cetera, et cetera, down the line. We expect the least out of Hurley, who is uh, the multimillionaire and future protector of the island for potentially thousands of years, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess that's, that is the way it is for not Dr. Libby. Um, careful viewers, by the way, will note that the, uh, the uh, Claire flashback sound is a different flashback sound, of course. I, I, I say careful viewers. I think you're just basically going to notice it because it's this blaring, screeching, zipping sort of thing. Um, once the flashback settles into the scene of her, presumably with her OBGYN, um, any lossy worth his or her salt, of course, can tell that it's Ethan's voice as the doctor and that we're on the island. Um, you might notice, too, that as he goes to the meds locker, uh, the keychain that he has to unlock that, it has the Dharma logo. Um, I mean, obviously, it ends up being no huge shock. It's in that scene where, where Ethan is revealed. But it's just nice that they're kind of tugging with the audience where some of us are sitting at home saying, that's Ethan. That really, really sounds like Ethan. And then if you happen to catch that Dharma logo, then you're saying, aha, you know, you're kind of one step ahead the people that you're, that you're watching the episode with. Um, coming out of the flashback, which, of course, ends just in time for a commercial break, uh, Libby actually looks mildly shocked that it all works. Um, the shot is, of her, it's just for half a second, but it's there nonetheless. I wonder if a real shrink would be so shocked that a pent-up memory, particularly of this uh, degree, you know, the, the, the unknown trauma that happened on these two weeks, uh, or pardon me, that, that happened after the already massive tragedy of, you know, crashing on an island, you're pregnant, strangers, etc., and then you get abducted by a strange person. This is a huge memory that's been pushed down um, and, and probably is under pressure, I would imagine, to, to spring forth. Would a real shrink be so shocked? Now, a real shrink might be shocked that it happened so quickly, that it that the memory came back so quickly. But um, I don't know. I, to me, it's just another another check in the Lost has a plan type box. Anyhow, at that point, since the show doesn't have enough balls in the air going, you know, 
Ben, Aaron being sick, Claire's flashbacks. Uh, they add Echo's church creation in the mix. Um, also something there for, for those who are so inclined to see Adewale, you know, muscles a flexin and all of that. Um, but anyhow, seeing Echo, that of course places him in the hatch looking for a saw. Um, it's a bit hand of the writer piling on the tension. You know, now someone knows, now the secret is out there, but say la vie, say la vie. Um, at least the episode does share the love. Uh, Claire wants to hunt for Rousseau, so Kate volunteers to go with, which takes Kate to Sawyer looking for a gun, and Claire to Son looking for a babysitter. Uh, add to that, we had, you know, this is the one Sawyer scene, the one Son scene. We've had one scene with uh, Hurley, who was hanging out with Libby. Um, we've had the two Libby scenes. We have Jack in this episode, and Locke. And uh, now, uh, now Echo. So it's it's spreading the love nicely. Um, anyhow, it's a nice touch too that Son says a mother shouldn't leave her child, and Claire plays the card of, "Well, are you a mother?" Son is, of course, currently pregnant, and uh, let's not forget that later in the show, uh, Son will Son the mother will leave her child in order to find Jin, and of course. As you will further recall, no doubt, it being uh, one of the great lost episodes, Sun and Jin do not return to that daughter, um, which is a discussion to have in 18 months. With that, Claire flashes back again. I love that each time the transition montage, if you want to call it that, it becomes a bit clearer, both due to multiple viewings uh, and that the sounds become clearer themselves and more in sync. For example, uh, the Ethan dialogue was first shown over Alex speaking. At this point, we can hear some of Alex's words. So, craftily done. In this flashback, we see enough of the uh, injection material to see that it has the numbers on it, just like what Desmond was injecting into himself. So there certainly is that that moment of connection. Uh, Ethan takes Claire for a walk uh, to her surprise nursery. And we start to see how big the staff hatch is uh, and how it has the tinge of being run down. Let's say certainly compared to uh, our main hatch, the swan, which aside from uh, you know, older books um, and old computers, is certainly in good shape. Um, it's a nice production design touch as well of having the drippy rust water. I mean, you don't see the water, but kind of drippy rust coming down from the AC vents in the hall. Uh, and then once they're in the nursery, the show allows itself a nice little meta moment. So where did it all come from? <laughs> well, I'd love to explain everything to you, Claire, but I'm afraid it would be a little overwhelming right now. That's us watching the show, taking off our, our shoes, threatening to throw them at the TV. That's the show, you know, kind of thumbing its nose at us. Uh, you know, please, oh, please explain something to us. And it's the show saying, you know, I'd love to, but but sorry, it, it's just it, it would be too much. Um, it's it's just nice. It's nice that they know that the audience is out there. Um, with Claire looking at the baby mobile, I started to question how reliable this flashback story was. Uh, I don't mean from the author point of view. It, it's just that are we seeing this flashback story as Claire remembers it from a druggy haze and pushed down memories, or are we seeing it as it was? This, of course, is a different kind of flashback story since we are experiencing Claire's memories as they bubble up. 
Um, they might say, well, what does the, 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 the mobile, mobile have to do with that? Did the others really set up a mobile with four pristine toy oceanic planes which spin and play Catch a Falling Star? I personally doubt it. I think that um, this is an opportunity for the show to have things both ways. They can be uh, very conspiratorial, you know, an oceanic mobile that plays the song to which Claire uh, has such a connection. Um, now, granted, she's mentioned it on island. Perhaps it's perhaps it got back to Ethan uh, before this abduction period. But to me, it's just a little too on the nose. And I'm not complaining. The show can have it that way if we accept the, the fact that Claire can be misremembering some things. Um, and here we are. You know, if anything, it, it lets us also... Um, question some of the other things she saw. Uh, not that we really do, and not that there really are things that we question, but if you put yourself back in a in a uh, 2006 mindset here, perhaps we can then have contemporary discussions of, uh, did she really see this blue-eyed girl? Is that really Alex? Is it this? Is that? We can, we can question what we're seeing on the show. So uh, perhaps that's why it's done. I, I don't know, but I certainly would reject the idea of this mobile being literally there just on uh, just on its ridiculousness. Um, also ridiculous, but not impossible, there's another shocking moment while they're in the nursery. Ethan. We're here, I'll be right back. list and then bring her in was I unclear it's not my fault they knew I wasn't on the plane they had a manifest what am I supposed to tell him you know what he's gonna do when he finds out it's of course the mind-screwing return of Beardo without a beard Tom friendly looks clean and put together Uh, and of course there's those references to him with tones of referring to a, uh, a vengeful man, or at least a vengeful, well, wouldn't be a vengeful person, because they say him, uh, a vengeful man. Um, nice, too, that, I mean, it's obvious, super obvious now, but it's nice that they're talking about this mysterious man. Meanwhile, we have a mysterious man in the hatch. Um, I think that, I, certainly in some of the upcoming uh, ben episodes where he's talk, he makes reference to how they're led by a great man. Uh, you know, at the time there was a lot of discussion: is he telling the truth? Is he referring to himself? You know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we'll we'll get into that when we get to that episode, of course. But um, you know, just kind of a, we've talked before about the symmetry of a, a number of these episodes, and it's just nice that they're talking about the great boss man who is a mystery to us. Meanwhile, we have a mysterious man uh, from the others that's already in the show. So well done, Lost. And notice too, by the way, how compact the story is on review. Rousseau is missing a child. A young woman appears in Claire's flashes and ultimately is in her flashback story. That, of course, is Alex, the missing child, uh, hidden because we have assumed that Alex is a male due to the name. So it's just a nice nice bit of construction, nice bit of uh, sleight of hand. Um, with, with Claire and Rousseau yelling over who did what and who's leading who, 
Claire thinks Danielle took her to the staff, and Danielle thinks Claire just needs to get to the right area to find the staff. Um, I was struck by how smart the show was to put these two mothers together, mothers affected by the others. Um, Add to that that Kate is the future, uh, shall we say, foster mother of uh, of Claire's child. Uh, And you kind of have a lot of mothering going on here. Uh, Claire flashes back to Ethan, uh, continuing to drug her and cajole her into giving up the baby. It's interesting how um, there continues to be this thread with the others of, since they are such good people, they just need your permission to take your baby and kill you. They just need you to agree to such and such before you are condemned by your decision. Um, it's a, It certainly is a very holier-than-thou uh, type thing. You know, we're going to kill you anyway, but confess first. Um that kind of mentality, um, which, uh, I mean, I, I suppose now is as good as time as, as any. I'm sure it'll come up again as we get to know the others better. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's um, where did the others come from? I think it's a certain high-minded, quasi-religious uh, aspect that was in the air in the mid-2000s, whether you want to say uh, uh, conservative uh, Islam, conservative Christianity, uh the, the nature of uh, the Iraq war, the wars, the war on terror, the war in Afghanistan, uh, kind of the, the, the high-minded overtones of how the world, or, or at least the American world, was, uh, was conducting itself. And, um, you know, not that the others are, you know, the 9-11 bombers, nor are the others, uh, you know, conservative Christian crusaders, uh, you know, to the degree that the show is a science fiction of sorts, uh, science fiction oftentimes will take something and twist it around, and it's not going to be a direct allegory. It's going to be more of a more of a, a metaphor and, and an amalgamation. We have that here with these high-minded others who want that permission to separate a baby from its uh, otherwise capable mother. Um, anyhow, this uh, this outdoor scene of of Ethan of cajoling Claire. Uh, there's a nice little kind of camera move here. It ends with a great shot of, well, I mean, first of all, we kind of have the standard, you know, close-up on Ethan, close-up on Claire, close-up on Ethan, close-up on Claire with dialogue. Um, we then cut to, oh, I, I suppose you could call it a medium shot, or actually I guess it would be a two shot because there's two people in it. Uh, it's Ethan looking at Claire. Claire's back is to us. Uh, in reality, it is a Claire double that's looking into Ethan's eyes and the camera kind of does a 180 um, or maybe not quite that much, but it maybe does like a 90 degree turn around them to see that Claire herself is watching from afar. This is a way to bridge us out of Claire's memory and back into the contemporary story. A nice trick, uh, a cheap trick. And I don't mean that, you know, meaning, meaning low. I'm just saying it's a simple trick. It's nice. It works. Um, Yeah. Well done. Uh, finding the the staff hatch, there is, speaking of not, I guess, to go from well-done cheap tricks to not well-done expensive tricks, there's some rather bad uh, blue screen work where the camera is looking up from the hatch to the women outside. Um, It just looks fake. It doesn't look good. Even as they're into the hatch and you're into the hatch set, kind of the tunnel leading down, there still is that blue screen or that green screen behind them. 
and uh, it just does not does not quite look good. Um, you know, oh well, they make up for it with the the creepy staff, the dark flickering lights, flashlights in hand, potential unknown baddies in any shadow. Uh, so they make up for it. Uh, naturally, the hatch has been cleared out, showing that this is a temporary location. Uh, the nursery was largely empty, uh, except for the rocking chair, which is there to communicate to the audience, this was the nursery. Same thing with Kate finding the dirty clothes of the others. Why label the theatrical glue as theatrical glue? Because this is TV, and smart TV doesn't explain with dialogue, but rather with visuals. Um, and they're trying to tell us these others are not dirty hobos. Uh, the the clean-cut um, Tom Friendly that we saw, uh, that is the that is the rule, just as we've seen a clean-cut Ethan and a clean-cut Goodwin. Uh, they are not exceptions to the rule, and, and Mr. Friendly and his uh, bunch on the boat, those are, those are not you know, the, the norm. Um, seeing Claire, as they move kind of further into the hatch, seeing Claire having uh, Kate help her with the medical fridge as they continue to search for the vaccine, uh, that reminded me, too, that the vaccine in this story is absolutely a MacGuffin. And for those of you who don't know what a MacGuffin is... Here's the definition from Wikipedia. A MacGuffin, M-A-C-G-U-F-F-I-N, sometimes MacGuffin or MacGuffin, is a plot element that catches the viewer's attention or drives the plot of a work of fiction. The defining aspect of a MacGuffin is that the major players in the story are, at least initially, willing to do and sacrifice almost anything to obtain it, regardless of what the MacGuffin actually is. In fact, the specific nature of the MacGuffin may be ambiguous, undefined, generic, left open to interpretation, or otherwise completely unimportant to the plot. This fits the vaccine to a T. The entire story hinges on the vaccine, but the vaccine ultimately, uh, they don't find it, and it's not needed. Um, It's a device. The vaccine is a device by which Claire goes on this adventure of personal discovery Uh, that was only achievable by retracing her steps back to the staff Um, and also makes the trip, you know, for good viewing on our end as well. In that end, the story as a whole is a bit shaky. Uh, Note that Claire's memories, as I said before, come back in chronological order whenever she finds some touchstone to cause the next chronological order flashback to occur. So, again, it's not that it's a bad episode. Indeed, it's a great one. Maybe it's top... 20, let's say. Uh, I'm just saying that you can see the stitching from the writers. The stitching is a bit visible in this, whereas in the finest episodes, it, it, it appears that the, you know, the, the characters are acting independent from any, any show, any drama, any story arc, any constraints of television, etc. Um, all of this, by the way, uh, does come with a wonderful, gut-punching moment. Your baby. Was it a girl? Yes. What was her name? Alex. Alexandra. I remember a girl. A girl with blue eyes. She uh, she helped me. She saved me. Just like you did. She wasn't like the others. 
Mira Furlan is a beloved guest actress from the series, not only because Rousseau is kind of crazy, but because Rousseau is grounded. We see here in her acting that Rousseau is a normal wife uh, and mother who has been tremendously scrambled by madness brought on by crashing on an island, losing her husband and friends, being attacked by a monstrous figure, and having her baby stolen by these, you know, strange natives. I think it's enough to drive anyone crazy. And it's just, it's a very authentic and honest moment, I think, that we see in Rousseau, where clearly she's here searching for her daughter, not in any sort of organized plan, but just hope against hope after these 16 years have gone on, that some thing can happen to to, to find her daughter. Um, and she hasn't had that, but but still Claire offers her this this least little bit of lifeline to say, uh, you know, that that there was some there was some good in her and that she's still, you know, she being Alex is is still there. Um, all this soft and cozy mothering in this episode uh, does get contrasted by two manly men sharing a scene, though. Hello. I am Mr. Echo. Henry Gale. Do you mind if I sit, Henry? Okay. How long have you been in here? Two days. Are they treating you well? Treating me well? I'm a, a prisoner. And I don't know why or for what. You are a prisoner because they are being careful. They are being careful because they believe you are lying. Why would I lie? They think I'm one of these others. Other why? Please stop. First night I spent on this island, I was dragged into the jungle by two men. They never spoke a word to me, no I to them. I killed these men, smashed in their head with a stone, felt their blood on my arms. I need you to know how sorry I am for this. I need you to know that I am back on a righteous path now and that I regret my actions. I ask you for your forgiveness. Why are you telling me this? Because I needed to tell someone. Can you hear the grimace in his voice there at the end that it's uh, he's sharing this confession with uh, the, the least among them, the... I think there you're even seeing just a little little bit of echo, the the old echo, the warlord echo showing through that uh, he knows he must confess. But let's confess kind of to the, the lowest hanging fruit here. Uh, I love, too, that when Echo first comes in, the, the look on Ben's face is just that of, you know, oh, crap. First they put the torturer in here. And now it's the giant drug lord. It's so wonderful, too, that Echo, the real Echo that killed two people in the first night, comes back. Uh, and that's because he has to confess those sins. Um, and as I mentioned, he just has this look of contempt on his face because he doesn't trust Ben either. Oh, Adewale, why were you too greedy to be in the church scene in the end? Um, 
The Claire story for the episode ends with Claire confessing, by the way, ironically, her love for her son on a touching moment where she gives the, the booty to him. And then the episode has a coda, Ben and Locke. I'm sorry. Are you the genius? Or are you the guy who always feels like he's living in the shadow of the genius? I was... I was never very much into literary analysis. I just don't understand why you let the doctor call the shots. No one calls the shots. Jack and I make decisions together. Right, okay. My mistake. That's why we love Ben. He plants his little Ben seeds in people's minds and lets them water it, shade it, nurture it, and grow it. Locke's little tantrum, the show reveals, is heard by Ben. Ben sits up just for a second. Of course, a close-up of a wicked smile. Uh, That would have just ruined the surprise of Ben being such a huge baddie. But even on first viewing, it's clear. There are little cracks in this camp. A, a really solid episode. I was going to say a great episode, uh, because that is where it ends. Um, uh, I don't know. For some, for some reason, uh, the the well, the mechanics of the story hold me back slightly from it, it really being truly, truly great. But um, if, if you can be demoted from truly, truly great to just great, that's this episode. And of course, this episode being over, we still have Lostpedia to look at. There was precious little on Lostpedia that was actually interesting and pertinent. Uh, this week, but uh, well, here we go. The dialogue between Ben and Locke about how Jack seems to hold authority, despite Locke's insistence that they make decisions together, uh, is repeated nearly verbatim in Every Man for Himself. However, this time the roles are reversed, and it is Jack speaking to Juliet about Ben. That certainly is fun. Uh, Lostpedia also mentioned rather sparsely that Alex was credited as teenage girl. Um... I had wondered if there was more to it than that. Uh, I suspected that there was. Um, and uh, actually, going over to Wikipedia for the episode summary, uh, I got this note about the production. Uh, Tanaya Ramond, who plays Alex, uh, was told her character would be called Jessica when first cast in the role, and her character was promoted as a survivor who would be introduced in maternity leave. Cast members often read fake lines with a different name in their audition to limit potential spoilers from leaking. In her first appearance, Ramond was credited as young girl, preventing viewers from knowing in advance that Alex would be introduced. So whether it's young girl or teenage girl, uh, I, I can't say for sure, but certainly um, I was just interested in the background business of how they, uh, you know, how it was promoted, how it was cast, because... Uh, yeah, it, it, it's a it's a shock, not a huge shock, but it's a nice uh, it's a nice uh, moment that holds itself. Uh, you know, it's the it's holding a mirror up to the audience when you say, "Oh, they said Alex," so I assumed it was a boy, uh, despite there being no other evidence to the contrary, other than your own. Um, I mean, kind of small, mild prejudice that that sounded like a male name and, and not the the female 
uh, you know, the shortening of Alexandra, which we are all familiar with nonetheless. So with that, let's look ahead to next week. Next week will be episode 216, entitled The Whole Truth, which is a Sun episode. A reminder, too, that new episodes launch to the website, iTunes, and the Lost Podcasting Network on Mondays. You also can listen to my other podcast, the PH Geek Podcast, which I do with a couple other people, including Pete from last week. And you can check that out uh, by searching iTunes for PH Geek or by going to phgeek.podbean.com. But back to this podcast. If you'd like to share feedback, there would be a ton of ways to do it. There are many of you out there who kindly listen each week. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, You can leave a message on the voice message line by calling 732-707-1815. You can say hello to me on Twitter, where I'm Looking Back Lost. You can send an email to lookingbackatlost at gmail.com. You can find the show online at lookingbackatlost.podbean.com. And you can always download this and previous episodes on iTunes, where reviews are always appreciated. So thank you once again for listening. Uh, it's always so fantastic to be getting together with you to talk about Lost. And I will speak to you all next week for episode 216, The Whole Truth. Take care and bye-bye. It's easy to forget them without trying With just a pocket full of starlight Catch a falling star and put it in your pocket Save it for a rainy day Catch a falling star and put it in your pocket